the kids present Kudos Kirby, a celebration of the journey of Jack Kirby's lesser known works. And here is your host, Angus. Welcome to Kudos Kirby, a comic's journey into Jack Kirby's lesser-known works. I'm Angus, and will be your guide through the monthly expedition to uncover those hidden gems from the King of Comics' over 20,000 comic book pages. We hope you enjoy this latest adventure in the journey. Good as can be expected, Sarge. Thanks for the timely assist. You couldn't have picked a better time to hit the Chateau. Well, that's one base Uncle Adolf's brain trust won't be using again. Welcome back, kids, and thanks for listening as we kick off 2022 on Kudos Kirby with Sergeant Fury and the Howling Commandos. This was Marvel's premier war title because it had much more to offer than other World War II books. It did not take itself too seriously, and while not diminishing the horrors and moral dilemmas of combat and war, it set itself apart from most other comics by having diversity and interactions within the characters. You had Corporal Dum Dum Duggan, you had Rebel Ralston, Dino Manelli, Isaac Cohen, Gabe Jones, Jonathan Juniper, Percival Pinkerton, Jacques Frenchy Dernier, Captain Happy Sam Sawyer, and frequent nemesis Sergeant Bill McGivney, and arch-enemy Baron von Stucke. Now, the Howlers were perhaps caricatures in some instances, but they also were realistic personalities. And there was frequent infighting, as much happens when you bring folks from diverse backgrounds together as a single unit. But they would put their differences aside for one another. And under unflinching leadership of Sergeant Nick Fury, they always came together and had each other's backs. You really feel as though they did love their fellow brothers in arms. Additionally, the writing really wasn't heavy-handed or really have a lot of moralizing. However, it did emphasize high action. It was consistently entertaining. Stan Lee wrote the first few years of these issues and providing the dialogue. I'm certain that the initial story arcs were provided by none other than Jack Kirby. Then Roy Thomas and Gary Friedrich would eventually take over. Jack Kirby drew the first seven issues, which we will cover this year, along with the collectible issue number 13, which is noted for being a Captain America crossover. The duties after that were handed over to Dick Ayers, and this would become Dick's signature book for many years. Some of those titles round out the remainder of our Kudos Kirby year, and it's a great compare and contrast between Dick and Jack. However, Dick does stay pretty true to the signature look. In the early 1970s, this book went onto a strange format where every other issue being printed would be a reprint of earlier issues. Kind of got stuck in a rut there. 
And I think it was Marvel's attempt to balance just the volume of what they were pumping out at that time. Because if you'll recall, in the early 70s, you had the horror craze going on. Don't know if wartime books were exactly in vogue, particularly coming out of and being in the height of, and particularly the early 70s, of the Vietnam War. But it was popular enough that every other month would have a new and exciting story. So... Around issue 100, new stories again started happening until the end of the run in 1974. And then Sergeant Fury made a bit of a comeback. But in reissues of previous books. And then you would have Sergeant Fury being placed under the mantle of blazing battle action until 1981, when the series would end. Now, what was also happening with Nick Fury during this time, particularly in the 60s, is that you would have an older Nick Fury turning into a special agent with those mind-bending graphics. Nick Fury, Agent S.H.I.E.L.D. happening, and Jim Steranko providing just otherworldly illustrations there. But this year is dedicated to Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos. So let's delve into issue number one. Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos. Think you've read war stories before? Mister, wait till you see what's in store for you here. It's only the greatest. Seven against the Nazis. Another big one from the talented team that brings you the famous Fantastic Four. Spawned in battle and tempered by danger, afraid of nothing that lives or breathes, hurling their thunderous war cry into the teeth of tyrants, here come Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos. Story by Stan Lee. Art by Jack Kirby. Inking by Dick Ayers. Lettering by Art Simic. The newest and proudest creation of the Marvel Comics group. Meet the Howling Commandos. Sergeant Nick Fury. Six foot two of steel, muscled, iron nerved fighting man. Fury believes in making his men fear him so much that they would rather face hopeless odds than face his anger. It's rumored that he's really got a heart, but no one can prove it. Robert Rebel Ralston. This lean ex-jockey from the bluegrass country of Kentucky is a lot tougher than his small size makes him appear. And there are plenty of missing-in-action Nazis and fascists to prove it. Corporal Dum Dum Duggan. This one-time circus strongman is Sergeant Fury's good right arm. Powerful, fearless, and easygoing, he's a roaring tiger when the chips are down. Jonathan Jr., Juniper, fresh out of an Ivy League college, Junior is the cheerful, eager beaver of the group. But don't let his youthful smile fool you. He's fast as a panther and just as dangerous. Gabriel Jones. Gabe used to blow the Swedish trumpet this side of Carnegie Hall. Now he gives out with the hot licks on the field of battle. But his notes are just as true and his hand and heart as steady as ever. Izzy Cohen. This scrappy, tough master mechanic loves machinery the way some men love fame and fortune. He can repair anything, except the sorrow in his soul when he remembers the fate of his relatives in Europe at the hands of the mad little man with the mustache. And finally, Dino Manelli. You might have seen him in the movies under another name. For this handsome swashbuckler gave up a promising career as an actor in order to repay the country he loves for all it has given him. And thus begins this inaugural issue of Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos. Issue number one. With a cover date, May of 1963. 
The release date would be March 5th, actually, of 1963, that it would hit the stands. The story is Seven Against the Nazis. Pierre, a French underground agent, sends a radio message to the commandos while Henri holds off the Gestapo. He manages to finish the message before the Nazis arrest him. Meanwhile, in England, Happy Sam Sawyer gets his orders. Send his able company behind enemy lines to rescue La Breve, the leader of the underground who knows when D-Day will take place. Sawyer sends Sergeant Nick Fury to gather up the first attack squad, who are on the infiltration course under a live fire exercise conducted by Corporal Duggan's machine gun. That night, the squad heads for France aboard a C-46 transport plane. The Luftwaffe fighters attack and damage the plane. The pilot advises Sergeant Fury that they may not reach the drop point, and the commandos decide to bail out, boys. Then, in part two of Seven Against the Nazis, Fury's squad reaches a town and witnesses the resistance blow up a Nazi command post. When the enemy commander orders up tanks to raz the town in retaliation, Sergeant Fury jumps onto the lead tank, fires into the view slit, and tosses in a grenade. The explosion blows him off the tank and injures him. Dum Dum Duggan and Juniper drag him into an alley. Meanwhile, Cohen, Manelli, and Ralston duck into a house, and they prepare a big-sized Molotov cocktail, which is ignited by Cohen's stogie, and toss it onto a tank, engulfing the tank in flames. A squad of soldiers go after them, but get ambushed by the resistance. Manelli changes into a Nazi officer's uniform and tells the squad firing on Fury to retreat. The resistance fighters offer to lead the commandos to their leader, but they first must rescue the villagers. Manelli, still in the Uber Gruppen Führer's uniform, finds the Nazis preparing to execute their hostages. He takes a submachine gun from a soldier and starts firing at the Nazis. The other commandos and the resistance fighters finish off the soldiers. Cohen pulls up in a German half-truck. One of the resistance fighters, a woman, goes with them to the Louviers to identify La Breve. At the fortress in Louviers, General von Rüstig has not yet persuaded La Breve to talk. When Hitler calls, he allows the Gestapo to try. The Gestapo officer tells La Breve that they have his daughter and lets him hear her voice over the phone. An old farmer smuggles the commandos into Levez in his cart. They blow up the arsenal to create a diversion and slip into the fortress. Juniper and Jones stay at the entrance to hold off the returning soldiers. The others try to get across the courtyard, but a machine gun open fires. Cohen goes up some stairs to get a shot at the gunner, but a squad captures him. Sergeant Fury crawls across the yard with a bundle of dynamite and lobs it into the nest. But he's caught under a collapsing wall. Dum Dum Duggan and the woman press on, but a soldier with a flamethrower convinces them to surrender. The Nazis prepare to execute the commandos in the courtyard. The Gestapo officer threatens La Breve's daughter again, who it turns out is Marie, the woman from the resistance. Suddenly, he falls, shot by Sergeant Fury. The commandos make short work of the other soldiers. All they need is a way to get to the coast. Cohen shows up with Von Rüstig. 
When a Nazi general and his staff car, they easily reach their pickup point. Labrov and Marie stay behind to bolster the resistance. Wow! What an incredible high-action tale here from Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. An incredible opening to a high-action series. The illustrations here are straight out of the war experience of one Jack Kirby. There is no doubt in my mind that the depictions of these characters represented personality types that Jack must have served with. And on top of that, the action being displayed here in these pages is nothing less than breathtaking. It is, yes, dramatic, yes, over the top, but all high stakes and very much us, meaning Fury and his Howling Commandos, versus the dreaded, loathing Nazis. And everything from being shot out to the sky and coming down on parachutes to entering into the French town and rescuing the French resistance leader who knows the particulars on D-Day is nothing short of keeping you on the edge of your seat as you're reading. There are so many explosions in this and a body count to boot. This is absolutely over the top and what a fun, fun time. What's amazing about this book, when it initially came out in the 60s, you really started to have an appreciation for, since we were coming up at about 20 years at the height of World War II, this greatest generation was coming into their own as far as their post-war lives. Many by this time were mid-career. Many had started families. And many were pausing to reflect on their war experiences. Not necessarily talking in public about them because many would keep that war experience deep inside them maybe only ever broaching the subject with a fellow vet who had been there but this was a way for jack kirby to not only exercise some demons as far as that war experience was concerned in seeing the horrors that he saw in europe but also to pay tribute to the camaraderie, the brothers in arms, the positive experiences that come out of adversities such as those. And you can definitely feel that camaraderie flow from panel to panel, page to page of this selection. Some noted things in this first issue, you have an appearance by Adolf Hitler, and Jack has never shied away from having the Fuhrer in the pages just so he and his troops could be foiled. The establishment of General von Richtig and would ultimately lead to von Stucker being introduced in follow-on issues. The establishment of the hard-fought area, the underground resistance in France at the time, the lead-up to D-Day, all of this really, really adding to the anticipation of what all we might be delving into here. Matter of fact, the last panel in this issue 
is one of the Howling Commandos storming the beach of Normandy. So Jack is already teasing that out, that this is in the works here, coming down the pike. There is a really interesting last page here of the book, post the ending of the story, and it's called Weapons of War. And Nick Fury is up at the top of the page and says, U.S. commandos know these pea shooters like we know our first names. And if you are armchair battle buffs, ever want to be real howlers, then here's something to drum into your skulls. That's an order. More authentic weapons next issue. And Nick has the capabilities listed here for a revolver M92 from France, a pistol M25 from Japan, a Nugget revolver from Russia, a Mauser pistol from Germany, a Webley pistol from the British Navy, and a Steyr pistol from Austria. And this is Jack just chronicling the weapons, the instruments that were used in battle during World War II. And this is a special pull-out poster and something that will continue through the follow-on issues. All in all, great start. Looking forward to diving deeper into our exploration of Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos. And we hope you have enjoyed this profile of Seven Against the Nazis. Kudos, Kirby. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.